Welcome to Creators Abroad. I'm Katerina, your nomad guide based in Northern England. And this is another narrative journey where we take risks, find opportunities, spark our imagination and learn to live outside the box. Okay, full disclosure, I'm not actually that nomadic, but this show is inspired by years of moving from one country to another, dividing my time between being a foreign language teacher, tourist blogger, music journalist and translator. I'd like to be part of your creative journey and I invite you to be part of mine. As such, these episodes are jam-packed with tips to build a new life in a new country or town, and most importantly, how to make a living as a creator. To do that, I've got another guest with me today, ex-graphic designer, creative consultant and life coach Megan Colleen. We're going to talk about recovering lost parts of ourselves. But before we get started, a quick reminder, this is one of the last episodes I recorded as Regeneration Studio, my previous name. But of course, that doesn't change a thing. Now, when we talk about reclaiming something, it simply means to recover something previously lost. It also means to bring wasteland under cultivation or recovering waste material for reuse or recycle. Now, in terms of people, it signifies redemption from a state of vice. As we grow through life, we lose a lot of who we are as we navigate societal expectations. This is called maturing, but sometimes we mature too much, we lose too much, we become like wastelands devoid of personality and deeply unhappy. Megan is the host of the Reclamation podcast, and for her, Reclamation is the process whereby we stop apologizing for who we are. It is the moment of rediscovering the parts of our existence that others have stolen from us, and they were able to steal it from us by making us feel ashamed, weird, isolated, unwanted, bad, and in the process of covering up for who we really are, trying so hard to fit in, we lose our magic. We lose our dazzle. We lose our purpose. In this episode, Megan will demystify the process of reclamation and help us own our right to be a misfit by sharing her own story of breaking from tradition, saying goodbye to Christianity and a traditional 95 job. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Gosh, I don't think I've ever been introduced in such a beautiful way. I love how you, you like really did your research on on me and my story and also just on reclamation itself. So thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. To give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there's a film soon to be released called Megan. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? Oh my gosh, this is such a tricky and hard question, but I sat with it a little bit and essentially what I've come to is I kind of envision it as this indie film, right? So you're watching this indie film trailer and there's kind of an edgy teenager who's just trying to figure out how to express that she needs support in life. And then she realizes that people aren't paying attention to her. So then she tries to fit into the boxes, right? She stays that way for a really long time and then eventually breaks out of that when she reaches the point of of no longer being able to stay in those boxes. So she breaks out, she comes back to to who she really is, um, expressing all of her nuances and I just, I kind of imagine the end of the trailer and the end of this film, similar to an indie film where it ends and you're still asking questions, because I think that that's a beautiful part of, of my story and my journey is that I think life is a beautiful space of asking questions. It never really, you don't come to that necessarily picture perfect ending like a traditional movie with the hero's journey you end still asking questions still sitting in the curiosity still unfolding so I think more than anything that was the piece that stuck with me is I think at the ending will just leave you with questions more than anything else yes and it's exactly the type of film I love watching especially that part where nothing is clear-cut at the end it's all open book and that's the beauty of life I think yeah scene one I'm sorry You became a Christian fairly early on in your life. Now, being part of the Christian community was sort of fitting into the box, but it also gave you a structure 
that you lacked at home. Now, in general, spirituality plays a huge role in your business as a life coach and creative consultant. Now, can you take us back to that moment when you were attracted to Christianity in the first place and just what went through your mind? How did you think about it? Yeah, so I actually grew up in a home where I really was just raised in Christianity. So similar to being raised just in a culture where we have stories and like social constructs that are just were born into them. Christianity was essentially that for me. Um, I definitely gravitated towards it more, like you said, because it provided structure that my family life did not provide me with. Mm -hmm. and belonging that my family like unit did not provide me with but it wasn't really something I ever initially chose for myself it was something that was kind of handed to me and then it it fit it checked the boxes that I needed for belonging and for structure yes that makes sense and then would you say that during this time did you ever feel like perhaps it was too structured perhaps it would it would kept you back in a way yeah so that actually kind of references that like indie film that I was talking about where I had kind of a, a season in my, you know, like ages 12 to, to 14, which I kind of expressed that more emotional part of myself, those raw, creative, edgy feelings. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a cry for help at the time, because there was just a lot of turmoil and trauma that I had experienced that I needed to process. But I quickly realized that that wasn't accepted particularly and it wasn't respected in the in the structures so I learned how to kind of rein them in and that's definitely a, my one of the first spots where I noticed the clashing but instead of at the time in order to stay safe and in order to um, progress in my life I needed to fit into the boxes just to give us an idea what was unstructured in your family life yeah so I grew up in a home that was just pretty, pretty rocky. I, I experienced like a lot of gaslighting and manipulation from a very young age, mm-hmm. just with parental structures and then court system stuff because there was a divorce in for my parents. And so there was a lot of confusion. We moved a lot at my, like a very young age during the ages of, of eight to 12, I moved a lot. And that just caused a lot of that turmoil. It caused a lot of the trauma, a lot of insecurity in who do I trust? Can I trust myself? Not having a a real clear sense of of any of that. So. Yes. And that it kind of reflects my own experience growing up because there was also in my childhood, there was, I lacked some structure to it and I became a, a very, very passionate Christian. And it gave me that feeling of there's somebody looking after me. And all I had to do was follow the rules and mm. and say sorry when I didn't and it, it was kind of this loop but also at the same time it kept me back so that's why I'm, I'm asking these questions now yeah I love that yeah um so you you became a graphic designer later on and you then started your marketing agency after that now you obviously have this creative outlook in life Can you perhaps say what aspect of creativity and Christianity clashed most for you? Yeah, so for me at that time, I was in a situation that had just caused me to hand, like hand over so much of my personal power that it was causing cystic acne, causing fatigue, sleepless nights, migraines, and my, I really lost my creativity at the time because those voices and the structures were just so, and the people pleasing was so loud and noisy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see anything else. And with the support of a life coach so that I, my own choice to become a life coach was because I had such a great experience with my life coach. So at the time when I was in that kind of noise, I hired a life coach who really helped me to start taking back my power to start that process of um, saying and thank you instead of saying I'm sorry and just making aligned action choices, trusting myself instead of always trusting people outside of me. Um, And in that process, I started to recognize that when I took back my power, 
Some people just didn't have capacity for my story. They didn't have capacity for the nuance. And when something didn't fit the structure or fit the kind of cookie cutter positivity, it wasn't welcomed. And so that caused me to ask questions because it was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. If the church is here to support folks who are struggling, who are here to support folks who are, you know, like all of those messagings in the Bible where Jesus helped those who were, were struggling, mm-hmm. basically. And yet when I was struggling, I didn't fit into the box. So Mm -hmm. it was just kind of the process of unraveling all those different pieces a little bit at a time. And then as I took back my power, my creativity started to come back Mm -hmm. because again, I had more freedom. I had more flexibility. I had more freedom than I'd ever had before because I no longer had to follow the constructs. I actually got to explore the nuance, which life is in, in Christianity. I feel like it's, we're taught that it's, it's good and bad. There's lots of polarization. Mm -hmm. And so once you step out of that box, life becomes kind of a mystery. It's really beautiful. And like you get to have the curiosity. And I think that's where creativity flows so beautifully. That was a very nuanced response to your question. Do you have additional questions from that? Did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, no, that was perfect. And it actually, it kind of links into what I was going to ask next, because I was going to point out that It's true, like in organized religion, it normally just gives us one choice. So Mm -hmm. we become religious or not. And then even though there are these nuances in life of what we experience, our choices and so forth, it's it's a lot very complex. In structured religions, we, we normally just have the right and the wrong choice and a very strict moral code where if we overstep a boundary, we generally go down a guilt trip and be like, oh no, what have we done? It's wrong. And then the repentance part comes in and we're just saying sorry the whole time and it actually becomes part of who we are. And then before we know it, we're we're compassionate believers, but we're actually just apologizing for living in a sense. Mm -hmm. And we risk becoming too apologetic about everything. And now what is your opinion on this? And you've touched on it already. And then what major decision did you make in your religious life so what did you change and how long did it take you to make this decision and what did you fear most <laughs> that was a oh lot of gosh. questions in one that is a lot of questions <laughs> so what was the the first part okay. was kind of what was the key decision correct yes yes basically it's just what was the decision and why did you fear making it and what happened afterwards yeah so the key decision was really that choice of choosing myself over choosing the approval of others. That was the key decision more than anything else. And that was a very scary decision. But again, it came at a time when I had, I felt like I'd reached kind of rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting sleep. I wasn't, I was just in this constant cycle of negative self-talk and feeling broken and feeling not good enough. And so there really felt like there was no other option except to choose myself at that stage. And what was the next part of the question? So what were you afraid of? And then maybe just leading on from that fear, did you stay spiritual? Did you stay religious to a certain extent? Or what did you do? Yeah, yeah. So the biggest fear, you would think that the biggest fear would be like fear of going to hell or something. And for, for yes. a lot of people, that is really scary. Um, for me, it actually flowed really naturally. So that wasn't a huge fear. My biggest fear, though, was the belonging piece, because in the process of choosing myself and choosing to stay aligned with my story and speak my truth, a lot of people disagreed and there wasn't room for my story. So then I had to say, okay, well, if this space is not safe for me to share my story, I need to remove myself from this space. Mm -hmm. I need to no longer seek to try and engage with this community because it it isn't safe for me to share my story. I'm not being trusted. I'm not being believed. Mm -hmm. So that was the biggest thing and it was extremely scary. And that was my biggest fear and it happened. But 
it was also really beautiful because it's it's led me to like deeper relationships that are so much more life-giving and supportive. They've taken time to cultivate, but yeah, they're so rich. They're so rich. So it was really scary, but it led to a lot of goodness. And then, yes, I am still very spiritual. So that took some time. I kind of had to go through a season where I handed back a lot of the beliefs, handed back a lot of the biblical references and things of that sort, which I still mostly do. I still resonate with some of it, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it I don't. And now I'm kind of more in a place of recognizing so many of the spiritual practices actually have, they mirror one another. And when we look at science as well, like if you look at our subconscious and how there's energy and and quantum physics and all of these different pieces, it's all kind of integrated to create this universal energy that to me feels a lot like, oh, of course that's the divine. And of course the divine doesn't fit into a box. Like we try to fit it into boxes and that's why we have all these different religions and belief systems. Mm -hmm. And if one of them does resonate with you, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Make sure it stays aligned and it isn't integral for you. It's like within your integrity, because I think that's the piece is sometimes we, we get so stuck in the, the rules. We forget to keep it aligned with our integrity. We forget the, the humanity of it and stay trying to please one another instead of all of, all of that. So yeah, for me, the spiritual part is just noticing on a larger scale, all of the patterns and the nuances and so on. Yes. And I think you made a a brilliant point there. It's exactly that. I think we get too hung up on the expectations of others and we, we forget the purpose of spirituality of religion in the first place. And it's, it's not the structured thing that we, we've come to know and that Mm. have actually come to to cause a lot of sadness and hurt in the world. So yeah, um, it's just about how you think about it. And of course, like from my own perspective, I I gave up Christianity, so I, I'm no longer a Christian, but it's not to say that I've got anything against that. And I can see, I can see the benefit of having that belief structure and so on. But I just think people should not go down the judgmental route and they should really think about seeing themselves as, better or more self-righteous than others yeah absolutely yeah that's like kind of touching on that piece that's the other thing that's really important I think to notice is whenever there are structures of of hierarchy of Mm. patriarchy of uh, really it's just power over instead of power with and that seems to be where religion can spiral um, when we kind of take the teachings of someone and we place it on a pedestal instead of again, holding the power for ourselves and asking ourselves the deep questions and things. It's just trust. It's outsourcing our power. Whenever that's, whenever we outsource our power, there's going to be difficulties and and kind of inappropriate structures. Exactly. Scene two. I'm not sorry. So you eventually moved away from Christianity and transitioned from having a marketing agency. This kind of happened. Well, this is my next question. Marketing agency to starting your own life coaching business. Now, firstly, describe the moment when you decided to do the coaching qualification at the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. Describe the moment. Oof. It's so funny because asking some of these questions, I don't believe there was a specific moment per se. Mm -hmm. It was more so an unfolding. Mm -hmm. It was a realization that I, my entire business journey and creative journey had a through line of helping other people, of helping them reach their full potential, of helping them launch their business, of reminding them. So my first business was shooting photography and my passion for that was more so reminding people of how magical the small moments are. And that through line for me, when my marketing agency closed, just caused me to ask the questions of like, why am I doing this work? Mm -hmm. And am I still passionate about it? 
is there something else that I'm more passionate about? And life coaching felt like the next step for me. Um, I do still, so the creative consulting piece, I still utilize my graphic design and marketing skill set and, yes. and degree. But now I do it through the lens of life coaching. So I have kind of a mix of life coaching clients and kind of business coaching clients and consulting clients, which is really, really beautiful because I think the life coaching in general just allows me to take people through a process that's much deeper and more aligned than the marketing that I previously was engaged with. Yes, exactly. And then on the question of your creative consultancy, can you just give a quick idea? What do you consult people on? Yeah, so I tend to I say this, but it's a little bit nuanced. I tend to work with folks who are younger in business or who are just starting out their businesses. Um, A lot of times it's working on confidence and supporting them as they craft their initial strategies and things of that sort. Um, But I say that and sometimes it's also working with corporate companies and sometimes it's supporting like e-commerce businesses with their their online email marketing structures and things of that sort. Um, so it's, it's a little bit nuanced, but my, my favorite, I, I say favorite and I probably shouldn't, but I just love working with small business owners. That's where my heart is. And I just believe that small business has the power to, to change a lot of people's lives. It's who we engage with every day and um, it's what builds communities. So I really love supporting small business owners with their marketing strategies and, and visual brand strategies and such. Okay. Once again, some a point I agree with completely. And that's why I generally I also focus my interviews and so on with people who own small businesses, because I just think there's yeah. more personality, there's more possibility with them. It is. Yeah, so okay. true. Now, secondly, were those two decisions, so the religious and professional decision interlinked somehow or did they happen separately? Yeah, so I think this kind of weaves in with another question you'd asked, but it was really the, so my marketing agency came to a a head. So my marketing agency, I was in with a a business partner and the reason that kind of got so dicey was because of some unsupportive uh, relationship dynamics in that business partnership. And so when that came to a close, that's really when I started to ask all of the the questions and shifted my my beliefs and understanding of the world because that just revealed a lot of incongruencies to me that process. Do you think that happens often in a business partnership where there's perhaps a shift of responsibility and then when one person is not doing exactly what the other person thinks there might be some blame going on or something to that effect and sometimes this is unjust or yeah I I don't want to speak for other businesses but I do know like there are sayings that you should never go into business with a friend and such so I would imagine that that is the case (laughs) Um, I think it's just the same as any relationship where you can set the foundation in a positive way, or you can set the foundation in a kind of power over um, instead of power with, and that kind of is what cultivates thriving or not. And I think that's also part of why I love still working with small business owners, because when you, when I come across a small business owner who is outsourcing their power, even if they're not with a business partner, but they themselves, if they're still outsourcing power, if they're hiring coaches and trying to outsource their power to that coach to make decisions for their business, that's still going to cause a lot of issues in their business. And that's really important to take back that power to actually be the CEO of the business, to make the decisions, to notice what's aligned and what's not aligned, to stick to your values. So yes to that question and I think it can actually happen with and without business partners. Yes, I ask it very specifically, not necessarily to do with business partners as such, but I just think that the whole process of apologizing for who you are in a sense, but also yeah. for things that you get blamed for that you're not necessarily the cause of in business mm, is quite yes, a common yeah. thing and can result in a very unhappy professional situation for, for many people without totally. them ever acknowledging it. Yeah, 
Now, in the process, you started discovering what you call your your inner magic. And I love this expression. I just love it. Um, so you also discovered the power to reclaim your self-worth and thereby stopped apologizing for who you are um, or who you were. So by talking through what you experienced, can you first clarify what is this magic within us that you talk about and how can we actually discover it? Yes, so what's our inner magic? I feel like this is our spark. It's what we come into the world with. It's innate within us. I truly believe, so contrary to what Christianity states, <laughs> I truly believe we come into the world whole okay. and that the conditioning that we experience, the patterns that our family passed down to us, those, the, that, that conditioning is kind of what causes us to, to lose that magic a bit, to start to, to fit the societal norms instead of embody all of the magic that we truly are. And so that's why I love the term reclamation. It's coming back to yourself and deciding who do I want to be in this world. And so I think that inner magic, it's really, it's actually a mix of two things where it's that wholeness that we come into the world with and like rediscovering and finding that, reclaiming that. And it's also cultivating the person that we desire to be. So it's noticing, okay, this is how I came into the world. This is who I this is the, the magical parts of me that have, are ingrained within me. And these are the dreams I have for the future. So who do I need to become so that I can bring those dreams to fruition so that I can express myself fully as I desire to in this world. So I think it's kind of a mix of a couple things there. Yes. And I think you make it sound so natural and, and relatively easy, but for anyone, me, you probably it's actually a really difficult process. And I think that's where your life coaching probably comes in to sort of guide clients through, through it. Now, do you find that the clients you work with tend to reflect your own journey to an extent? So kind of that thing where you, you resonate with the people who, who've perhaps gone through the similar things as you have? Yeah, there's definitely through lines. There's, there's threads. Um, and I think to a certain extent, most of us experience this because we all have societal norms that are pressed upon us. Um, sometimes we have religions that we've grown up with. Sometimes it's just um, everyday society that we engage with that presses um, conditioning into us. Um, so there's, for most of my clients, there are those through lines and that's why we resonate the most. Do your, do your clients come to you with, for example, spiritual questions or professional questions or a mix is it is it like life so yeah it's a mix yes yeah. okay. um typically i have a handful of both going on at once where some yeah. of it's spiritual and then some of it's uh life and business typically mm -hmm. the life and business do come kind of hand in hand but yeah okay can you give an example of the coaching process and the renewal your clients work towards so you can use a specific example if you like yeah, so kind of the easiest example for a life coaching client. So perhaps this is just um, someone who does have that through line of, of losing themselves and desiring to, to reclaim themselves is often the structure looks like my five phases of reclamation, which is what I've mapped out after working through a number of one-on-one -on -one clients and working mm -hmm. with a number of one-on-one -on -one clients. So those five phases of reclamation are playful curiosity. So that's just kind of that initial phase where we start to get curious. We start to ask questions. We notice the current beliefs and the current values that they hold. And then the next phase is non-judgment and awareness. So that phase really looks like just holding whatever we find with non-judgment. So not engaging in stories around what beliefs are good, what beliefs are bad, what values are good or bad. It's just holding space for all of that that we're finding. And then the next phase is self-trust. Mm -hmm. So trusting the findings, trusting what is coming up for them, trusting the dreams that they have, not making the dreams that they have good or bad, but just trusting and, and developing those muscles of self-trust. 
And then the next phase is integrity and congruence. So that's really the phase where we start to actually take action. So noticing where they've been, the beliefs of their past, and then noticing who they desire to be and actually starting to live out, live their life from that place instead. So really creating that life of integrity, creating those, those alignments and the congruencies that feel really good for them in this new person that they desire to be in the world. And then the last phase is resilience. So that's just that continual process of showing up as who they desire to be in the world, showing up for themselves more than anything else. So that kind of comes back to that, not denying yourself, not covering yourself again with all of the layers, but just really continually, continually trusting yourself, continuing to get to know yourself, continually living from that place of alignment, even when it's difficult. And now I came across the term reclamation queen while I was doing some research. Can you clarify what do you mean by that? Yeah, so really that's a term that I started using because I view reclamation as a, a process we have to do from a place of sovereignty. So that's really that personal power piece. So rising as the the kind of personal power queen of our lives. Yeah, so the five phases basically is the phases that will take you to that moment of becoming a reclamation queen or king. <laughs> or whichever. Yes, whatever feels good. <laughs> the sovereign reclamation piece is kind of the big piece of that that's important mm. is rising in so- with sovereign reclamation recognizing that you can only control yourself and when we take back that power we can start to co-create our lives from that place that place of of being the queen the king the the royal individual of our lives all right great scene three what will you reclaim okay so now on to your podcast which i've come across and it's got fascinating topics. It's called the Reclamation Podcast, delves into how to affirm our self-worth and reap the benefits in all aspects of our lives. So you don't just focus perhaps like on a business aspect or a spiritual aspect. It's really goes very, very deep. So for example, how can we feel pleasure again? How can we be self-compassionate, find our voice, reconnect to our spiritual self? I mean, the topics are endless. Tell us more about your podcast and what is the main thing you want listeners to get out of it? Yeah, so really the theme of the podcast is sharing folks' reclamation stories. So in each episode, the topics range very vastly because it's individual stories. And so in each episode, it's um, sometimes I have coaches, sometimes I have, um, recently I had a, a voiceover artist and an actress sharing her reclamation story. I have a therapist who's going to be on in this next month. Mm-hmm. And so th- it's very like varied in the types of people. And I try, I try to have it be very, pretty varied because the main thing that I want people to take away is everyone has the power to reclaim their life. And again, there's typically through lines and themes that kind of follow that that reclamation structure, those five phases, but it it comes from all different angles and we all end up having the opportunity to take back our power throughout life. Um, So it really just gets to be a place of mirroring and learning from these people. They're incredibly skilled individuals. I Mm -hmm. like am so honored from by the people that I get to have on my podcast Mm -hmm. because they're all very good at what they do and, and just have really beautiful stories. Great. And then what would you say is the one thing that you've come across that people struggle with the most? Because there must be the one thing where they're like, they just hit a wall, they hit a wall. They try to get this, to reclaim this or to regain their power over an aspect of their life, but they just can't. What aspect is that, would you say? Hmm. With the folks that I work with, I often find this around self-confidence and being confident enough to put out something that they have in the world. And that really closely relates to self-worth in the way that I see it with my clients. Another piece that I find pretty much everyone runs into some walls with 
is just the idea that we can change our future, that we can kind of change the patterns that we've taken on. And that's something that I've really been diving into and continuing in my own education is how we can reprogram our subconscious. What is the neuroscience behind that? And I'm still on the the very beginner level, I feel like to some degree of, of how that, the, the details of how that works. But that I think is something that a lot of us struggle with. And that I noticed in my clients is just that belief that things can change um, and that we can actually impact how our brain functions and how we see the world. So those are three things, three things for you, self-confidence, self-worth, and, and just the idea of being able to reprogram our, our subconscious. So now through your, your coaching and podcast, you guide people, obviously, like you indicated to rediscover their inner strength and help them understand how to use it without that inner strength and fearlessness to be ourselves. And this is what we've been talking about the whole time. We'll, we really struggle to find this, that sensation of magic or going beyond our own expectations. And this was also touching back on these aspects you've mentioned of being self-confident really going beyond what we think we can do. Mm -hmm. But one thing that occurred to me when I was thinking about all of these topics was that social media actually plays a considerable role in making us doubt ourselves. I mean, it's now so ingrained. The like button in itself has made many of us people pleasers. So before we post anything, we're always going to be like, oh, but I wonder what other people are going to think. Are they going to like it? How many likes am I going to get? What is your take on social media and its effect on us in respect to pleasing others instead of rather being ourselves? Oh my gosh, this is such a big question. Oof. I feel like the, the best way to answer this is just to share my own personal experience with social media. Mm-hmm. And it is a battle. It's a battle with social media. Um, so as someone who runs a small business, I find it very important for me to be on social media and to be active. Mm-hmm. And because I am the sovereign of my life, because I have taken back my power, I have pretty clear boundaries established for myself on how I engage with social media that I've kind of developed over time. Um, especially because sometimes when I post things that are a bit that are controversial to my previous belief system, I do get uh, a lot of negative feedback. Um, So it's important to me to understand, okay, when I post, this is likely to happen. So how do I respond to that? And when I post and there are no likes, like, do I keep that up? Is that going to be beneficial for my business? Because it is important for me to Mm -hmm. have um, a certain level of resonance with my audience. But again, like it's important to, to just notice how I'm going to respond to that. What do I do to mentally unhook from social media? I really think of it a lot, just a lot like a relationship with a person where if there is someone that I, I feel energetically kind of off with, yeah. how can I unhook from that? How can I hand back the perceptions? How can I hand back the, the stories and come back to myself, remembering my self-worth, remembering that I am good enough. So as far as my take on social media itself, it's a tool. And I think we need to think of it as such. It's a tool and how we engage with it is our decision. And so we can choose to unconsciously engage with it and get caught up in the stories, or we can choose to consciously engage with it, treat it like a relationship and decide when it's appropriate for us, when it's not, how we're going to hand back the stories when they come up and so on. Yes, I think one point maybe to add to that is that perhaps the moment when social media becomes harmful and when we start feeling perhaps anxiety when we go Mm -hmm. onto the platforms is the moments when we, we become too much people pleasing on that or trying to please people on it and very less ourselves so the more we pretend the more we battle 
with our relationship with social media and it just becomes a cycle because the more we pretend the harder it actually becomes to to turn back to who we really are yeah absolutely which is why podcasts are a really beautiful thing I think podcasts (laughs) feel so different than like Instagram or something like that podcasts feel more like a real conversation with real people and yeah it's interesting to notice too like what what comes up for you with different types of social media or types of of consumption like what feels good and what doesn't feel good and maybe spend a little more time on the things that do feel good versus the ones that don't but yeah yeah I don't know if you're on have been on clubhouse or you are on I am yeah I haven't used it much (laughs) it's hard because you always have to be live on that and that's like oh sometimes that's too much yeah I mean it's just quite interesting because it, it goes in back to the point you made of like I think sometimes when we speak and when there's no images that have been through multiple edits and whatnot and so on, we're just more ourselves naturally mm-hmm. and it, it feels better and it's just a, a more real experience than say when we do go and I love Instagram, don't get me wrong, because I love taking photos and all that. And, but when we go on it, it is a very much a curated experience, a very much pre-created experience Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah yep I like it though anyway going on in light of modern society it's advances and pitfalls what common fear do your clients normally display and you have actually said this it's self-confidence and but how would you say how do you challenge them to overcome it yeah so I was actually talking with someone about this just the other day just yesterday And one thing that I think is really important to notice is when we're facing a fear of any kind. So say it's a a like a confidence fear, Mm -hmm. we can really begin this by noticing that we start to feel that fear for two reasons. One, either we're at the edge of our comfort zone and we're at the edge of possibility. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're within our comfort zone, but we're stretching past possibility And so there's fear in that because it's unknown or there's fear because it doesn't feel safe. And I think the first thing is to notice what type of fear you're experiencing. Is it a fear of, I don't really feel safe extending beyond this. And I think that I actually need to stay here. Um, And so, especially for folks who have perhaps had um, traumatic experiences or who are reclaiming some really deep stuff within themselves, it might be worth saying, actually, this is not a space that I'm ready to expand beyond yet. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, holding it of like, oh, actually, I'm at the edge of possibility now. I'm, I'm stretching beyond what I know, and I'm ready to lean into that. I'm ready to lean into that fear and have a willingness to see what's possible. Um, and I think what's beautiful about that is it is, there's there's possibility beyond what we can even comprehend, but what, beyond what we can see, there's so much more going on. And I, an example of this too is for my own life. Like what we've talked about previously is previously I saw the world through the lens of Christianity. So it's like I had these blinders on and I only saw the world from that lens. And when my marketing agency came to a close, I was the edge at the edge of possibility. Mm-hmm. And I chose to push past that fear and step into the world of possibility, which then expanded my view. So I saw so much more possibility for myself. I saw beyond the relationships that were right in front of me and realized, oh, there's so many more people out there that I can have beautiful in-depth relationships with. Oh, there's so much more creativity that's out there for me to grasp at. I actually can explore topics that I never thought possible. And so when we're reclaiming confidence and things like that, I think it's beautiful to recognize, do I wanna stay here? Is it safe for me to stay here? Or do I wanna kind of push past and what can I do to kind of take that first step beyond what I know? I think now just going back to where you started and being bound by the church yet finding safety and being told what to do and who you should be to where you are now helping others disentangle themselves from these shackles of expectation and knowing when when they can leave their comfort zones, when's the right time to leave their comfort zones 
and then how to, what to do once they've left it, how to deal with the the aftermath of that. And also just your own more per personalized spirituality that you obviously carry through in all the work you do. What should each listener do or ask themselves to start letting a ripple of magic into their lives? So just thinking yeah. of your whole story and someone listening now, what can they do? Yeah. So it's going to sound really silly because it's kind of, it seems like a basic question, but it's actually really hard to answer sometimes. Um, but I would start by asking, what do you want? Just like starting there, what do you want? What do you want for your life? Mm -hmm. Because when we start with that question, it allows us to dream. It allows us to stretch beyond what we know and what's in front of us and to start envisioning a future that maybe feels a little bit impossible. And from there, we can then start to call out the pieces and the sticky spaces in our life that maybe don't align with that vision that we have for ourselves. So mm -hmm. starting with what do I want? What's holding me back from pursuing that? And then starting to kind of knock down some of those walls, but starting with the first question. So what do I yeah. want? Yeah. And is there any particular activity that you like doing to clarify, to kind of decloud or de, uh, defog <laughs> your, yeah. your vision for the future? It's a great question. So I really like to start by there's a, there's a few different things that I like to do but one of the things that I like to do is kind of start with a, a beliefs or a values evaluation where I can kind of notice first of all like what is really important to me and you know you can find a list and some people like the list some people don't but um, I like to use a list of values and really circle those and see what comes up for me with that as just a starting place to notice the lens that I may see the world from And then from those values, I can start to kind of craft different goals or different dreams. Another thing that I like to do is I like to break down different areas of my life that I have wants and desires. So instead of like asking, what do I want? Can feel like a really big question? Mm -hmm. yeah. So breaking it down, okay, like what do I want for my body? Mm -hmm. What do I want for my relationships? What do I want for my business? What do I want uh, for, I don't know, my, my art, my creativity? You're kind of breaking it down into some categories and thinking, just dreaming. I think one of the important parts, that's where the playful curiosity kind of comes in, like letting that process be light, letting it be a bit easy. If it's helpful, maybe dancing it out and just brainstorming. Nothing is good or bad. Nothing is right or wrong. Just notice what feels really good. Notice what lights you up. Yes. And I think that's a great piece of advice. Thank you for joining me today Megan yeah. and for sharing your insights and your journey where can people find out more about you your podcast and anything you have to offer yeah so pretty much you can find out everything that you would like to at my website megscolleen.com that's m-e-g-s-c-o-l-l-e-e-n.com and um, on social media I am at megscolleen so the same spelling um, and I hang out most on Instagram with my healthy boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And I'll find you there and come and say hello. Um, and then just before we go, I've got a new name for this. I used to just call it quick, my quick fire round or something, but now I'm calling it round 42. The answer to life, the universe and everything. Oh, dang. <laughs> right. First question. Are you ready for this? Ready. It's Monday. What's on your dinner table? <laughs> oh gosh, it's Monday. What's on your dinner table? A sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. No wrong answers here. It's your meaning of life. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? <laughs> that you can have everything you want. I love that one. Going back to your youth, and you can expand a little bit on this, what message would have changed your life if you'd seen it on a billboard or if age 
aligns in a social media post? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I actually thought about this one because the fact is, I probably saw a lot of things that could have changed my life, mm. but because of the filters that I saw the world from, I didn't see them. So I don't mm. think anything would have actually changed my life because it wasn't my time. It, mm. I wasn't ready for it. And I think that's a beautiful part of our timing and just recognizing that there's so much out there in the world. And when the time is right, we will see what we're meant to see. And I believe yeah. that. So if you'd seen a billboard telling you life coaching is the best career ever, it wouldn't have changed your mind. I doubt it. (laughs) And the last one, and this is really something that you want for your life, but you don't have it yet. What would you do tomorrow if you were 10? Actually, I've changed this. 20% braver. Oh, man. What would would I do tomorrow if I were 20% braver? Or next week. (sighs) I would probably wear crazier clothes or wear different things that I want to because that's definitely something I'm still reclaiming for myself. Like in my Christian, evangelical Christian upbringing, purity culture was really prominent. So modesty and and all of those pieces. And while I still enjoy, like I think I've held true to a lot of my fashion choices, there are a lot of things that I, I would like to wear, but I don't quite feel brave enough yet. So that's what I would do. Okay. I'm going to make a recommendation. Take it any way you like. So what happened is I used to, I, so I grew up in like Christian home. We weren't even allowed to wear bikinis. Like that yep, was like a no-go. <laughs> and at some point, I actually, after I moved to the Northeast in of England, I started doing pole dancing and it's just changed my whole yeah I've changed it's changed my whole view on I mean you can't wear clothes if you want to do that stuff and that that it's really really hard don't get me wrong so now my view of that's completely changed oh my gosh I've actually thought about that before because also it seems like an incredible way to just build your athletic abilities because it doesn't seem easy whatsoever like it looks really hard right yeah I mean it's one of the toughest things I've taken up and it because it's so tough and it's just pushes 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 me the whole time that's why I'm still doing it I mean I love it I love it I should do that 20% braver here I go pole dancing (laughs) (laughs) next time we chat all right so that's a wrap Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're a creator living abroad or you want to live abroad and you'd like some advice or you'd just like to see what I get up to, get in touch, come and say hello on Insta at creators.abroad or you can head over to my website, creatorsabroad.com where you can find out more about the podcast and my multimedia production studio and content creation consultancy. If you simply want to support the show, take a second to subscribe and you can also leave us a rating and review on Apple. It helps more people find the show and means so much to me. Keep an eye out for future changes, some new stuff happening on YouTube, and I hope you join me next time for more narrative journeys of creators abroad.